welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Experience strength, hope on, on surrendering uh, resentment. Uh, following this, uh, we'll have some Q&A, and then we'll uh, go to the, uh, the end of the Fellowship of the Parking Lot. Uh, it is with great honor and great privilege that I introduce our next speaker. Uh, I've gotten to know Dwight over the last... I want to say year, year and a half, something like that. I stumbled into the Not a Glum Lot uh, where Dwight is a force du jour in that room. He is a constant person of service. He has wonderful sobriety. Um, I do not like to share after Dwight because he says what I feel, but in a much more articulate way. So I was trying to get my hand up first. Uh, Dwight recently celebrated 10 years of sobriety in this program earlier this month. Um, and, uh, like I said, I couldn't be more privileged to hear, uh, Dwight speak, uh, with that, let me turn over to Dwight D from Manchester, Missouri. Uh, Dwight, how much time would you like? Why don't you give me about 25 minutes if that works, Bill? That works perfectly. Would anyone in the room like to be a spiritual timekeeper? Joe Hart, what do you think, man? I got it, Bill. You know oh, that. Just like, the, just like the morning meetings. All right. <laughs> wonderful. Dwight, again, thank you so much for joining us. And let me turn it over to you. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I can't tell you what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to speak, but I have to tell you, I'm going to turn this over to God now, because if on my own uh, devices, God knows what will come out of this mouth. So I'm going to let God talk to me, and uh, hopefully that that means it'll go well. Um, Just to give you a quick uh, background on myself for those uh, of you who don't know me. And by the way, I see a lot of familiar faces in here today. Man, it's so good to to see all my friends. Uh, the technology and the miracle of Zoom has connected me with people that I never thought would ever happen, particularly when I meet somebody like Bill, who's a Yankee fan. And here I am, a lifelong St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan who couldn't stand Yankees from the day I can can remember them being in the first World Series uh, during my lifetime. So it is truly, uh, truly amazing uh, being able to connect with everybody. So uh, I appreciate all my brothers and sisters being here today. Um, I'm the product of a solid, loving Midwestern Christian family. I was born uh, the second of four sons. I'm also a liar, a cheat, an egomaniac, selfish individual who did my very best to destroy my life and the lives of those closest to me. In other words, I'm a run-of-the-mill, garden-variety, lust addict, and I am powerless over lust. This is how I have um, dealt with an issue that has been very difficult for me to deal with ever since I came into the program, which is dealing with resentment. Um, When I first came into this program, I didn't come in willingly. I came in kicking and screaming um, because I didn't want to be here. 
Um, I started out uh, over 50 years as a as an active sex addict, starting in my uh, early years, early childhood, around 10 years old, I discovered masturbation. And that became my friend and constant companion uh, throughout my uh, 50 plus years of, of sex addiction. Um, it was my friend. And then I found out when I got in the program, it was my worst enemy. Um, I got married um, in my uh, early 20s. Um, for the first year, it was fantastic, except I had to go to Vietnam. And that wasn't any fun. But um, even when I was in Vietnam, uh, masturbation continued for me. Um, when I got back, I started, we started uh, having a family. I ended up with two beautiful sons that I love dearly. But throughout that whole process, um, masturbation continued to be that that crutch that I used. And then about 15 years into my marriage, I began having physical affairs. So um, that all ended about 12 years ago when my wife found out or found some very incriminating um, uh, emails uh, that I was sharing between myself and my lust partner at that time. Um, since then, it's been quite a ride. I did come into the program. Um, I came into the program to save my marriage. And what I found out after being in this program, I was in this program to save myself, to save my own life. So, you know, uh, resentment was one of my biggest obstacles as I got into the program. I began to understand really what resentment can do to me. Um, what does resentment have to do with sex addiction? Well, in my recovery, that was a question I asked when I first arrived in the SA program. Yes, I knew in a short period of time I was a sex addict, but to think resentment had anything to do with it just made no sense. Well, in the last 12 years, I've learned a lot about sexaholism and myself. At the beginning of my journey of sobriety and recovery, I kept seeing the word resentment repeated over and over again in the white book. I guess I was so raw from fear, self-loathing, anger at myself, and all the other emotions that goes with the newcomer that I kept skipping over the word without trying to really understand what the program was telling me. Yes, early on, I did what I was told Got a sponsor as soon as possible. Thank God Malcolm felt sorry for me and decided to take me on. With his help and guidance, I moved quickly through the first three steps and assumed I could breeze uh, through step four, too. To further clarify, I functioned best in an ordered environment, and I learned quickly that the Step into Action publication in tandem with my sponsor was the best way to get me through the steps. At least that was certainly true for the first three steps. But then I hit a roadblock when I came to step four. I couldn't move forward with working the steps. Somehow, for some reason, I had a mental block that seemed to cripple my progress. What was going on? I asked my higher power for guidance and discussed it with my sponsor, but with little progress being made. Finally, Malcolm said, just put something on paper and it'll come to you. 
So I started putting something down on paper, and he was right. Wow, what a what a revelation I found. I did find out what was hidden deep inside me. It was resentment. What? How'd that happen? I was the easiest going person I knew. At least I thought I was. But as I kept digging into the white book, I'm beginning to get, I began to get a glimpse on where my resentment came from. Incidentally, does anyone have an idea how many uh, times resentment is mentioned in the white book? I don't either, but I can tell you it's a lot. Uh, started out with that slogan, halt, and it referred to anger, which is a direct derivative of resentment. Now, you go on into the chapter entitled Spiritual Basis of Addiction. It's filled with how resentment has such a negative effect on a sexaholic. Rebellion and resentment fills a need. Resentment is used as a drug. We're now fully addicted to resentment as a spiritual attitude. I had to really think about that. That that started to take effect on my mind after being in this program. The first two years, I was stark raving sober. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't stay sober. I'd stay it for periods of time, and then I'd fall back and fall down. I'd have to get up, start going forward again, trying to figure out what was going on. The book also says we're now fully addicted to resentment as a spiritual attitude. We have to surrender our resentments for long-term sobriety and recovery. Finally, it said resentment is said to be the number one killer of addicts. Boy, for me, that was so true because I would use resentment as a reason to act out. Even before I came into the program, I didn't realize it till after I began to look at it. But whenever my wife would say something, I would use what she said as a resentment so that I could go out and act out, whether it meant calling up a lust partner or whether it meant going into the basement and finding my porn stash. Um, it didn't matter. I always used resentment as that trigger to give me the excuse to act out. Then you go into the chapter in the white book called The Solution. It tells us that there are three forms of sobriety, physical, spiritual, and emotional. Well, I, lacked on, I latched on to spiritual right away because I knew, I knew deep down that I had to have a higher power because I was so powerless myself I knew I needed help. I needed spiritual guidance as well as being in this program. Physical, I struggled with physical those first couple of years, but the emotional sobriety was the one that I still have a hard time dealing with today. And I think I always will. I think I will deal with emotional sobriety on a daily basis until three days after I'm dead. I just know I will. I have, and I've experienced it. But through this program and through my higher power, I am beginning to tame that emotional issue that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Physical, physical sobriety is absolutely essential to recovery. You can't do anything with physical sobriety. I get that. That's what you got to have so that you can actually get on the recovery path 
just being sober, physically sober, is not going to help me if I can't go onto the recovery path. Start working the steps. Keep keep coming to these programs. Keep coming to these meetings as often as I can, because the more meetings I come to, the more that I understand what this terrible disease is. So um, let me give you an example of my emotional um, issues that I have dealt with over the years since I've been in the program. It wasn't too long ago, uh, and I've been in, in the construction industry for over 50 years now. And I always, uh, I'm an architect. I worked out in the field with contractors. Contractors could be kind of a, a rough group to work with sometimes, and you got to be able to stand up there and, and defend what, what you want and what you think is right for the, for the project. And I've always been able to um, keep my emotions down and keep things calm when I'm in a tough uh, discussion with a contractor. A couple few years ago, I was in a meeting. The client was there, contractors were there, and I was there. And this contractor started berating me, telling me that I didn't know what I was talking about. I still, to this day, don't really know what happened. I think it stemmed from a real difficult discussion I had with my wife that morning before I left for work. Instead of trying to keep things calmed down, I amped up the level of anger. And before I knew it, we were standing nose to nose and somebody had to step in front of us to separate us. I sat back on my seat and I thought, what in the world just happened? How could I do this? I walked out of that meeting. I sat down in the in my car and I just started to evaluate just what the hell was going on. This wasn't me. That's not me as a person as a person to do something like that. I was so upset about it. I called up Rick B. I said, Rick. What in the hell is going on with me? So we talked through it, and I finally came to the conclusion, the first thing I have to do when I do have those kinds of resentment that leads in anger, I have to apologize. So I went to every person that was in that meeting, including the person that I got angry with, and I asked them for forgiveness. And I and I told them that that wasn't me. That's not the way I should act. And I'm glad I did it because, as it turned out, the person that I had that argument with ended up having a heart attack a couple of days later and passed away. And so at least I was able to go to him and say I was sorry. But that's where resent. That's what resentment does to me if I can't if I can't handle it the way the program says to handle it. I've got to sit back and I try to understand what did I do in this situation that could have made things different? What did I do to contribute to, to that situation? So um, it definitely tells me, the, the program tells me um, that resentment, anger, hostility that's gone unsurrendered 
is going to be one of the greatest liabilities to my long-term sobriety and recovery, and I have to remember that. So um, I think uh, I'm going to maybe summarize here a little bit. Um, Ten minutes, Dwight. Okay. I have in the SA program, I can truthfully say that I couldn't have survived to this point without the SA fellowship or my home group brothers and sisters, as well as my international and national brothers and sisters. Um, I thought I could, uh, <laughs> my sponsor thought he could get away from me by moving out of town, but I wasn't going to let him get away that easy. So I've kept in touch with him and let him know that I still love him. Um, I've admitted my powerlessness and turned my life over to a merciful and forgiving God who knows how to run my life better than I ever did. I finally understand that I'm not a bad person trying to be good. I'm a sick person trying to get well. I have a disease that has no cure. I have to constantly remind myself that no matter how long I remain sober, this is still just a 24-hour program. I work each day and stay sober for just that day. I can't change yesterday, and I have no idea what tomorrow will bring, but I know that I have to stay in the moment. Humility is a key to my recovery. That resentment and ego helped feed my addiction for over 50 years. Now I'm willing, I willingly accept that I am just another bozo in this SA bus, and I can't get too enamored with myself. So um, I finally got past the fourth step. Uh, my sponsor worked with me, and I've now worked through the rest of the steps in the program. But the issue of resentment, I have to deal with it on a daily basis. Maybe it's part of it's because I've gotten older. Yeah, I'm old. Um, but I know that that if I let that take hold of me, that it's going to cause some real emotional problems with me. And I can't let that happen. I've got to remember um, uh, to talk to my higher power, to uh, admit my powerlessness, and then move forward with my life during that particular day. It's only 24 hours. That's all I got. That's all I've got in this program. So I just um, I think I'll just stop it right there and we'll have some some question and answer, Bill. But uh, I just appreciate everybody listening. Thank you. All right, Dwight. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you, Dwight. Dwight. Thanks, Dwight. Thank you, Dwight. OK, Joe, thanks, thanks for Dwight. taking the time. Uh, in participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovering, healing, how to apply the 12 steps and 12 traditions in our daily lives. Uh, no crosstalk, please. Please keep your shares in the I and the me and not in the you and the we. If you'd like to ask a question or share on the topic of the session, please use your raise hand button at the bottom of the panel or just wave your hand. I can see everybody. Uh, with that, uh, we'll keep it to two minute shares for now. Uh, Joe, R., you want to keep going with the timer? Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, so we'll go to Malcolm, then Natalie, and then the phone number 484. Ma Malcolm, over to you, sir. Hey, everybody. I'm Malcolm. I'm a gratefully covering sexaholic. 
uh, grateful beyond this uh, speakathon. And uh, Dwight, um, thanks guys for in the New York group or whatever group it is to organize this thing. It's a good idea. Hope you can make a third one. Anyway, uh, Dwight, uh, thanks for sharing today. I really appreciate it. Um, Bill W. recognized that uh, resentment was the number one killer of alcoholics. And uh, it's the first thing we try to tackle in step four. And um, there's good reason. <laughs> it's really, it can ruin our lives. We can uh, get uh, really reckless with with certain things. And, uh, you know, that anger uh, can just go wacko on us from zero to 10 in a matter of a millisecond. And, uh, you know, it's, so it's, uh, it's one of the causes of our disease. One of the, one of the times we uh, use our disease to comfort ourselves or whatever. But I think it's also based on fear, which is the second big category we will look at in step four. And, um, you know, so fear and anger, are they all hooked up together, resulting in resentments? And uh, thank God you walked away from that situation without punching that guy in the nose. <laughs> 30 seconds, Malcolm. Yeah, okay, good. Well, anyway, um, yes, yeah, so, you know, as uh, Joe and Charlie recommend, uh, working uh, step four, writing down the names of the people that you resent in a left-hand column going from top to bottom, and then go to second column where you uh, work uh, what happened, and then third, how it affected you, and what was your part in it, that fourth column. So those are fourth-step issues that are really good. So thanks for letting letting me share today. Thank thanks, you, Malcolm. Malcolm. I'll go to Natalie in Belgium. Thank you, Bill. Natalie, sexaholic. Uh, Dwight, okay, where are you? Okay, there you are. Dwight, thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much for your share. I'm really glad to see you here, to hear you. And I'm glad that I know you for over two years, something like that. Um, I, um, I want to thank God for this share because it's what, it's exactly what I needed to hear, resentment. A few hours ago in a WhatsApp group, I, I said something in English because it says, hey, everything is in English. And uh, apparently I, I said something wrong. Grammar was wrong. And someone left with my what I said. She really left like, this is wrong what you said. And someone else gave this emoji on her comment, like very laughing, smiling, you know, crying thing. And I was just so pissed off. Like, wait a minute, English is not my native language. And you guys are all laughing with me. Let's do this in Dutch, you know. And I was getting so angry. And I said an hour ago to someone, I have to write a resentment inventory on this because she it pisses me off. And I have not been writing a resentment inventory because I like to be in this position of I am better than her. Let's do this in Dutch. Let's fight. <laughs> it feels good and it feels awful at the same time. And I know that resentment is the number one killer of you know of addicts in addiction. And I wanna I wanna thank I truly wanna thank God that he used you to show me, thank you, that I have to write a resentment inventory right after this uh, meeting, this speaker done. And I'm com I'm committing to all of you, 37 people, that I am gonna do that. Okay. And you can ask me tomorrow if I did it. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Natalie. Thanks, Natalie. Four eight four. Is that Tim from Philly by chance? Four eight four. It is Tim from Philly. Do I have to defer to someone with thirty days or more? No, you're good to go. Thanks, Bill. Um, thanks for the uh, Long Island group. Um, I was on earlier and I had to get off at a meeting. Um, and then I jumped back on, but you know, there's, and thank you, Dwight. Thanks for all the speakers. Um, when I'm open-minded enough to listen, um, no matter what meeting I'm on, it like hits me right where I need to meet what things I need to hear. Um, uh, I've talked to Dwight a few different times, um, about, and we talk a lot about, I think, um, dealing with our spouse. Um, and, uh, I'm currently having a problem surrendering, um, this disease and, um, partly working on step four. I got through all my resentments and I started writing on the, what, what, how it affect, oh, what happened and how it affected me. So I'm about halfway through there. Most resentments I have are for myself and what what it what it what it happened. So at the end of the day, I really need to get back to it. Um ask God to help me forgive myself. Um uh yeah, I'm really struggling. Um but uh you know like my sponsor says, what's wrong with right now? Um nothing nothing at all. Um thank you. Um uh over uh, I don't know 14 16 hours um, on a meeting with um, genuinely loving people um, who uh, I, I can't thank enough for just um, commitment your commitment um, and uh, yeah. that's just for today follow the lead and uh, do some prayer and meditation and um, back on my fourth step and call my sponsor um, and uh, ask for some guidance. So I surrender. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Sharon. Tim, keep coming back, man. Right, we're going to go to Justin F. followed by Kerry H. Hey, everybody. This is Justin F. I'm a sexaholic. I got my camera off because I'm pulling a bill and I'm walking around. Um, but, Dwight, I just want to thank you so much for your shares. And I just want to. Um, I think I've known you for a little bit over a year now, and I just feel you're an anchor in the meetings that I go to that I try to go to just about every weekday. And I just get a lot of um, inspiration from you, and I get a lot of hope. Uh, when you often share, you will say something along the lines of, thank you all for being here for me today. And I love that. I love that thought that... Um, we're here for each other, not just um, for ourselves, you know? Um, so, yeah, I just, I love getting to hear your shares. And I'm just I feel privileged that I got to hear, hear a little bit of a longer one from you, sir. Thanks, Dwight. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Hi, Kerry and Wendy. All right, thanks, Bill. This is Kerry, great for recovering sexaholic in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm thankful I was able to be here to hear Dwight's share. Um, I remember when I came into the program, uh, September, 2021, I 
got invited into the not a glum lot and uh you know you were to lead that meeting like you do most of the meetings and you know i just remember you know hearing your sobriety date and uh you know hearing just your your hope and your 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 joyfulness and you know i just knew that that you know that's where i wanted to be someday i wanted to be you know you know nine ten years sober and you know still full of life so uh you know you've been an inspiration to me um that's why I reached out to you to, to be my sponsor uh, early on. You know, I just, uh, you know, just connected with you and I appreciate you taking my calls when you have, I know I need to call more. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as resentment goes, uh, I can remember hearing a lot about resentment in the program. And I just, I, I you know, early on, I just felt like, what, why are they always talking about this? It just, it seemed, it seemed weird how we were just always talking about resentment. And I can remember the first time that, that, resentment I just I couldn't seem to get rid of it and it just it stirred such a uncomfortableness in me that uh I mean it was really it was dragging me down into a bad place and uh right now I've got some things going on with work that uh okay thanks Joe and uh I could very easily fall into that trap of just just really having you know, strong resentments against the guy that recruited me to this company that I'm going to be, I'm going to be succeeding eventually. And, uh, it's been difficult to work through all that, but, uh, uh, you know, just, just, just having the program to, to work through as an example and, and recognizing the dangers of holding on to resentment is, is a valuable lesson. So thankful to be here and, uh, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Kerry. Good Thank to you. have you, my friend. Thanks, sure, Kerry. All right. When do? I'm here. Thanks so much, Bill. Um, I'm Wendy. I am a grateful sexaholic. I am thrilled to be here. And I do have the privilege of being part of that Long Island group. And it really is a privilege helping me on my journey. Uh, Dwight, you were wonderful. I was also sent by actually one of our other fellows actually sent me a talk that you did. Um, So I'm looking forward to listening to that one too. Maybe there'll be even more good stuff that and a lot that I heard today. Um, you know, as you were telling that story um, about what happened to you, I, you know, I just kept seeing it through and I saw, you know, pride. I saw, I know that's how I react to things. People say to me, you know, you're no good in all the words they're using. You're wrong. You're no good. You don't know what you're doing. And that's it. You know, it's pride. It's ego. It's all of that stuff. And um, we're blessed to have, uh, a 12-step program with that fourth step goes deep into who we are. And because I'm in a 12-step program for so many years and different 12-step programs, I've done the 12 steps uh, and a fourth step many times. So I'm blessed that my my resentment list is very small or almost nothing. But I learned when I got here, my fear list was exploding. And my sex inventory and the people that I've hurt through that was blowing up and I never touched those in the other programs. Oh, big on resentments. You know, I never, I just, you know, when it came to, you know, the sex inventory, I would tell my spouse, I'll get cheated on my husband done. Yeah. That's not what I'm learning. And I'm not, I'm learning here much better. And what I've also learned is that if somebody attacks me, you're no good. I know now that I never have to rationalize, defend, or justify if I'm right. I only tend to defend, justify, rationalize when I'm wrong. And you told us the story of what you did. 
wrong. I'm going to go around. I'm going to make amends to each person. And uh, I'm glad you made amends to that man who passed because that probably would have gotten us too if we didn't. And um, powerful of saying I'm sorry after blowing up is something that I have done. I will continue to do. And you really beautifully told me right to my face, Wendy, you better keep doing that or you're going to pick up or you're going to act out again. But for today, I am not doing that. And thanks again so much, Bill, for running a great meeting. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. All right, Bob, over to you. Thank you, Dwight, for uh, an incredible speech. Thank you, Bill, for hosting. Resentment was something I wasn't even aware I was full of. Um, I was disassociated from myself and uh, anger and resentment against uh, um, my cousins growing up, my father, even my wife in marriage. I I now I'm seeing myself for who I was for so many years, and I was I wasn't uh, aware of all that resentment and fear as among the major character defects that triggered me acting out with self was my channel of uh, dealing with resentments that I wasn't even fully formulating. And when you mentioned how you were nose to nose with that guy, Dwight, I did the same thing in my own flipping a table in front of my wife because she was upset that I couldn't sleep due to her snoring. And so I was thinking to myself, I didn't mention it. I lay awake, you were snoring, when she didn't see that my ego stepped in and flipped the table and I went off and cursed her out and that anger and that resentment was foreign to me because I didn't even know I was capable of it much like what happened with you in that conversation with the contractor you didn't know that you were capable but all of that was within you and and that self-discovery is part of this uh, recovery for me and I'm discovering how I'm discovering the magnitude of my character defects uh, and I'm I'm more aware of how entrenched those are. And um, if I can understand that a lot of the basis of my triggers and acting out is from uh, the degree of anger and fear and resentment that I've harbored. And if I can just channel it and understand it, that'll be the more important part of my recovery. I am powerless over lust, but I know that <clears throat> I'm not powerless over the actions I take, and I'm not powerless over uh, gaining greater awareness of self. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you, everybody. I just wanted to share. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Bob. Hey, Dwight, I'd like to ask you a question. Once again, thank you so much for sharing what you shared today. It's always a privilege to listen to your experience, strength, and hope. Um, everyone's been asking about resentment, but I'd like to ask a slightly different question, take advantage of having you in the rooms. You just got to 10 years, which is Roman numeral 10, which is wonderful. It's not so easy to get to any Roman numeral, let alone 10. Can you talk a little bit about how you keep your program fresh? Um, what you're doing maybe a little differently today uh, versus maybe when you first joined the group? Thanks, Bill. Um, well, when I first came into the program, like I said before, I didn't know why I was in the program. I didn't know what the hell was going on. My wife had filed for divorce. She had kicked me out of the house. Um, I didn't know what was going on. And so all I would do is go to the meetings, honestly, and just sit there and listen. I didn't didn't have anything to offer 
all I could do is sit and listen to what the folks that have been in this program before me, what their shares were and what they were doing in order to keep sober. Um, as I've gotten further into this program, um, to me, uh, giving service is what keeps the, the, the program fresh for me. If I didn't, if I couldn't give some kind of service, if I couldn't feel like I was really contributing to somebody else's, uh, uh, maintaining long-term sobriety and just be a, a show up for a meeting and, and sit here and listen to other people talk. And maybe I'd want to, like I did at the very beginning, when I did talk, I'd dump. I wasn't explaining to people how I was doing better because I was in the program. Man, I was having all kinds of problems with my wife. I, I mean, I truly, I was a lost individual. So I dumped. And the folks there at the at my meetings, I guess they felt sorry for me because they let me dump and they didn't put me down or anything. They did. They just listened to what I had to say and move on to the next person. Now, when I come come to these programs, come into these meetings, I should say, Bill, I try to to offer my services to anybody who wants to call. I can't take phone calls all the time, but. What keeps a lot of it fresh for me is talking to other people and hearing what they have to say, hearing what they're doing in order to maintain sobriety. That is such a golly, what a what a benefit. I keep telling everybody this program has been a series of miracles for me from the day I got into it. I wasn't smart enough when I came in to really understand about those miracles. But as time has gone by, they don't have to be big miracles. For me, miracles can be minor things that brighten my day. Uh, just the ability to help my wife um, uh, doing something. She's She's got physical limitations now because of a catastrophic catastrophic car accident she was in 40 years ago now now the problems are starting to roost and she's really dealing with them and there's she needs my help and i'm so glad that my higher power saw fit to keep us together so that i can be there now to help her wow i mean it's it is just amazing but i don't know if i really answered your question or not bill but i i think keeping it fresh for me is showing up in these meetings and doing what I can to make some other sex addict day a little bit better for what it, whatever it might be. I tell them when they call, hey, listen, buddy, you can do this. You have the ability to have long-term sobriety. But one of the things I tell them is keep coming back. Don't think you're a bad person trying to get good. You're not. Yeah, you've done some bad things. Hell, I've done a lot of bad things. But I really believe I'm a sick person trying to get well because of this God-awful disease that God saw fit to give me with. And, you know, looking back on it now, maybe it's the best thing that ever happened because I probably would be that same selfish, egotistical son of a bitch that was acting out all my act of life. I don't want to be that person anymore. That's not who I am. My wife doesn't always believe me, but I do. So I know deep down it's me. It's in my heart. And I'm so grateful to this program. Every I was, 
I tried to tell the, the folks in the morning meeting, you know what, you perfectly imperfect, lovable misfits, I love every one of you, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Dwight, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go to Rick B. Hey, Dwight. I got a question for you, buddy. As being the person who was on the other end of that phone call after you had that <laughs> dust off with that fella. Uh, one of the things I'm always curious to know after incidents like that, you and I always talk about this concept of emotional sobriety. Right. Uh, I, I just wonder if you, in your head, uh, ever replay that incident with that fella now after all these years and and see yourself handling it a different way and what that might have been yeah. rick that's a great question because i was just thinking about that the other day when i started to pull my notes together on on uh talking today and i thought what could i have done differently well i know the one thing i could have done a lot better just sit there and listen to what he had to say. And if I wanted to have a conversation with him afterwards, I could have a very pointed question or conversation with him afterwards. But I was ready to fight. I, I look back on it now and I, I, I remember that my wife just berated me for, for what I'd done in the past. Yeah, she had a right to do it. And I, I wanted to fight back, but I had no fight. So I think going in that day, I think I was looking for a fight. And that is not me. I can tell you that's not me. But what would I do differently? I'd go in there, keep my mouth shut, and listen, because he was making a fool out of himself. I didn't have to do anything. Everybody else was ganging up on him anyway. So if I'd have just kept my mouth shut and, <laughs> and let everybody else handle the guy, I wouldn't have worried about it because the guy just was was a very irritable person and and I just didn't do it. And I I think that getting control of my emotions would have gone a lot a long way towards uh towards keeping that from happening. Okay, thank you, Rick and Dwight. Uh John L from Annapolis. John, you're on mute still. Oh, did we lose him? Oh. John, you're still on mute. I'm working on it. Thanks. Hey, you everybody. Hey, John. I'm John, and I'm a recovering uh, sexaholic. It's good to see everybody. Thanks so much for doing this, uh, Bill. And Dwight, uh, I've never heard your story, but uh, uh, you certainly remind me of me. Uh, my resentment uh, at the moment is against insurance companies, and that's how I make my money. Insurance companies are doing anything they can to hide so that you can't reach them by phone. Uh, I have my clients on the phone uh, with me when we try to reach them to negotiate their files. And... Uh, there's nothing we can do about it, which is the terrible fact of, of uh, dealing with uh, uh, making insurance claims. So that resentment, un unfortunately, is festering always. <laughs> but uh, I think you made a good point that the, a closed mouth gathers no feet. And the best thing I can do is shut up and uh, 
try and try and try again. Uh, my sponsor used to tell me that resentments are like stray cats. If you don't feed them, they go away. <laughs> so it's best if I just don't feed those resentments. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. And we have a few minutes left. Uh, floor is open if anyone else would like to ask a question or, or share on topic. Bill, could I comment on John's uh, share that he just gave us real quick? You are you the know, man of the hour. Well, part part of part of what Malcolm's instructions to me were when I when I was putting together that list of resentments, it didn't have to be people. It could be places, you know, it could be institutions like what John was talking about, the insurance. I'll tell you, I had a tremendous resentment towards a bank that uh, gave the business that I own um, a, a loan, an operating loan. Um, and then I found out when times got rough, that bank wasn't any friend of mine. They wanted their money back. They wanted, they wanted to make sure that they didn't lose their money. I had been with that bank for 15 years. I never missed a payment. And I still hadn't missed a payment. But they knew that I was having some difficulties at that time. And they started pressuring me to get that uh, operation loan back. And so, boy, there was a tremendous resentment I had to them. I it it bordered on hatred because they always said that they were going to be my friend. And when times got tough, they would be there. They'd be my friend. Well, guess what? They weren't my friend, and I found that out. But you know what? My partner and I overcame that, and we're still in business. I think I'd like to retire pretty quick, but. We survived that, but it wasn't from any help from the bank. I can tell you that. So it's not just individuals. It can be a lot of things. It can be pieces, places, uh, things, as well as people. Thank you. Thank you again, Dwight. I think I want to share, Bill, just because it, I need to. Go on. Go on. Hey, and thank you, Dwight, for that. Um, I remember, I don't have a question. I just wanted to share real quick about how um, impactful that meeting that you have in the morning has been on me. About five months ago, I felt I needed to add to my program. I was going to my 1230 meeting every day, and then a random meeting. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even get up until your meeting. I'd already started. So I changed my whole my whole day has been changed by this. I start my day with my prayers, of course, but now I go to that meeting and that gets me started. Um, and it's through you and all the fellows. I feel like I'm in the meeting right now. Just join two groups together. When I look around and see everybody, it's, it's like everybody's here. <laughs> so that's a great thing. And that's what, that's what I need for my program. And I just want to thank you. Um, every morning, it's, you're up there, you're smiling, you're happy, and we're ready to go. We go on time. And, so, and we just I just have a great time there. And it just really sets my meeting, my day off the way it needs to be. So I really appreciate you and that meeting every morning. So thanks. Thanks, Joe. Let me let me just say real quickly, too. I got I got to tell you, I'm just one person that's involved in that meeting every day. Rick shows up. Clay shows up. We have guest leaders, too. Bill's left uh, had, has led a meeting before. 
Natalie has done it before, and she's going to do it again Monday because I can't make the meeting doggone it. But by golly, she's going to be there, and she's going to be there. So I'm just a pretty face. I'm just there to to lead the meeting, but it's the the people behind the scenes, Rick and Clay and the others that make that meeting such a such a a wonderful meeting. And I I am just so grateful to be a part of it. It has been a tremendous experience. And I could never have imagined when we started that Zoom meeting, what was it, Rick, about the month after COVID hit and we couldn't meet in person. And Rick called me up one day and said, hey, I think we can get a Zoom meeting going. What do you think? And I said, oh, hell yes, because I was stuck in this house. I couldn't go out of the house at the time. So I thought, yeah, I tried to phone meetings. And boy, that left me that left me a little uh, uh, sad because I just didn't think it was nearly enough like it was in a in a person-to-person meeting. And person-to-person meetings are great. I love them. But boy, this Zoom meetings has just been a, a lifeblood for me. Thank you. Remember, you're the one that said you're a pretty face white, not us. <laughs> <laughs> I just facetiously said, Joe. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> I want to thank the uh, Bill and, and the whole Seaford Plainview group for putting this on. And honest to God, it's it's the truth. When I look at this. When I look at this window right now, I can't tell where the Nada Glumlot group stops and the Seaford Plainview group starts. <laughs> it's like it's like one big happy family. And I I really dearly appreciate the way you guys participate in our meeting. And Amen. we're able to do the same thing as come here and share this 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 uh this afternoon with you. Amen. Thanks, Rick. Our pleasure. Anyone else like to share or comment before we wrap up? A couple more minutes. Yeah, Bill, you and I need to grow a uh, go- goatee. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> like Joe. <laughs> well, Rick has one. Dwight has one. I- I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.